All right, good morning, men. So glad you're here. Welcome to 6.30 a.m. Hi, church. Uh, my name is Chris Sherrod, and I am the marriage and family director here. And I'm just excited that you guys are here. I appreciate you guys being willing to uh, take time out in your morning and show up and um, learn how to be better dads. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father, we commit ourselves to you today. We thank you for your mercies that are new uh, each morning. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that this is the day that you have made, and we pray that we would rejoice and be glad in it. And whatever things are distracting us or on our minds or if we haven't had good sleep because of the baby, uh, Lord, I pray that we'd be able to focus right now. Uh, Bless our time of fellowship and getting to know each other. And I pray that you're honored in our, um, our attitudes. And Lord, help us to always remember that all of this is for you, but also from you, Lord. We can't do this on our own strength, and we need you to give us the desire and the power. And we ask this only in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll real quick introduce my family. Some of you have seen uh, this before. We have eight kids, uh, five grandkids, and uh, our oldest is 29, our youngest is nine. So Katie and I are on Parenting 2.0 with our two youngest guys that we adopted. And it is really fun being a grandparent. Uh, loving it. We've got one girl and then three um, uh, or four boys uh, of the grandkids. So that is us. And I'll just tell you a little bit about my passion uh, for Dad You. Uh, based off of Deuteronomy 6, which talks about loving God with all your everything, his word being on your heart, and then you teach this diligently to your children, literally sharpen your children, kind of leads us to these three things of loving God, living his word, and leading your family. As we go through this, we'll talk more, but I used to be so intimidated by that word lead, and it's simply, I just, if you can just think of it as encouraging faith in the heart of my wife, or encouraging faith in the heart of my kids, that's leading. Um, serving is leading. So it's not like you have to have this huge, big plan um, as you're going along. But that's really the heart behind what we're doing here, that we just want to encourage you and equip you as much as we can, and we'll talk about a, a few more resources We live in crazy time to raise children, and uh, a while ago, a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones said this quote, in these days of exceptional evil, are you doing something exceptional? We're living in this world where I don't want to live out of fear, but it is sobering and crazy in so many different ways, and I'm just thinking of my kids and what they're going to have to go through or what they're facing, and my job, I have to think of it as like Esther being told by um, Mordecai, hey, for such a time as this, God has you here. And I am a father in 2024, and this is the world that my kids are in, and I have to, I don't want to put my head in a hole or uh, be afraid. I'm going to be discerning and wise, and so part of what we're going to talk about over these next four weeks is what does it mean to be a man uh, of prayer? That's going to be today. Um, How do we not be a passive father? That's next week. How do we be a purposeful father, like have a purpose, direction, goal? And then how do, we have, how do we be a principled father? What does it mean to have convictions? And what are the important uh, truths? I want to make sure that I'm passing on to my kids. And those are the four things that we're going to cover over these next few weeks. Uh, today's going to be a praying father. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Paul. On the back of your handout there, there I, I've listed out almost all of Paul's prayers for the church. And he saw himself as a spiritual father. And what I'm going to leave you with today, what I, I just the biggest thing I want to challenge you with is... Looking, because a lot of times it's like, I don't know what to pray for my kids, or I feel like I pray these generic prayers that sound really Sunday school-ish. And I have started recently just saying, listen, I'm going to let God's word guide me, and I'm going to look at what Paul prayed for the believers, for the church, and I'm going to start praying that for my kids. 
So we're going to look at Paul as a praying father. One of the things that's interesting is I was looking at um, different pictures of Paul. I'm real big into kind of presentation and things like this. Almost every ancient painting or statue of Paul had him, for some reason, wearing red, like a robe, but uh, there is a sword in the picture. Either he's holding one or there's one in the background. And different commentators have said, well, you know, he was beheaded. So that's maybe kind of an allusion to how he's going to die. I think it's a little different. My thought is he is the one who called the Bible the sword of the spirit. And he was all about God's word. And it's just really cool to think about how when, when people think of Paul, they think of the sword is so essential in his life. Like, what do we want to make sure that we associate with Paul? And I'll tell you this, of all the men that I've ever looked up to in my life that I've met, that's like, that's what I want to be. I can tell you this, every one of them was a man of the word and a man of prayer. And so Paul talked about God's word a ton. Obviously, he helped pin it through the work of the Holy Spirit, but also he was a huge man of prayer. But this got me convicted a little bit thinking, um, obviously, we've got photos now, but if, if they were going to like paint a picture of me and gather my family and friends around and say, hey, what do we need to make sure we include in this picture? Like with Paul, it's like, well, you, you got to put a sword. Is there anything that they would include in a picture of me or any of us? And it could be scary to think like, well, I mean, you got to put a cell phone in his hand, right? He always had a cell Like that would be maybe true for some of us, Right. Or put the laptop off to the side because he's never that that. Or the remote or a beer. Like there's all these things that people can think of. What do people think of when I'm gone? Like, man, Chris Sherrod was a man of this. Or make sure you include that. So here's why I want to look at Paul because he was so passionate about being a man of prayer. One of the things that he mentioned to the Thessalonians as a father of how he treated them is a good insight into how we should be thinking of our role as dads. He said, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. So what he's assuming there is, you know, like like dads are supposed to do, those three things. We exhort, we encourage, we, we charge. And so even that right there, some of you know, like, well, I didn't get that from my dad. And this is where I need to take my cues from Scripture and just go, oh, okay, so that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm the most encouraging voice in the ears of my kids. That I'm the one giving them the charge. I'm the one saying, hey, here's the way that we're going. Okay? So even Paul seeing himself as a father gives us some good reminders there. If you look at all of uh, prayer and scripture, and we're about to discuss some stuff at your tables. But these are all the words that keep coming up. And this is just convicts me because I just go, man, is, is my prayer life characterized by any of these things? And so this is not meant to be a guilt trip, but a goal like, hey, I want to improve. In 2024, I want to be more a man of prayer. But prayer is described as worshipful, persistent, faithful, striving, constant and alert, thankful and stress-free, devoted, watchful and thankful, wrestling. Um, the word that's used there is actually uh, agonize, um, like you're, you're really striving, contending. Uh, it's continual, it's faith-filled, powerful, effective, and fervent. So my goal in our talk today is that we would each walk away with a little bit more of a desire to be more of a father who prays for his kids. Uh, a little more discerning in what I'm praying for as well. So here's what I want you to discuss at your tables. These are four questions that are on your handout right there. In general, when you think of your prayer life, do you view it as your duty or your delight? If you're here on Sunday, I talked about that, that challenge of feeling like obligation versus affection. But honestly, with prayer, it's like, I know I should be praying more. And so why don't I pray more? So here's a few things. 
What are common reasons why most men don't pray more? How would you rate your consistency, intentionality, and depth of prayer? Uh, let's just say one being good, ten, one being bad, ten being good. Is that right? However you want to rate it. I always forget. Would you feel fine if your kids grew up to have a prayer life just like yours? Could you say like, hey kids, this is, this is what I do, and here I'll, I'll be happy if you just end up with that level of prayer. And then what's the point of praying anyways? Just a quick reminder, this should sound like a, well, duh, kind of an answer, but why do we pray? And that sometimes can help us remember, like, why we don't pray, if I, if, I, if I can't remember that. So let me give you five minutes on your own at your table. If you need to introduce yourself real quick, you can, and then answer these four questions, and I'll bring us back together in just a second. Hopefully that helped uh, prime the pump a little bit about our talk on prayer. So New Year's is a great time to start new habits. Uh, I stopped calling them New Year's resolutions in my life, and I called them New Year's prayers. Like, Lord, this is my prayer for the new year. Um, I felt like I wasn't setting myself up for failure as much. But this is a great time where you can start new, you know, organize your, your Bible reading plan or your prayer life more. And so, my, my, again, my prayer for you guys is that you, you get to do that. I love this quote from Ian e. Bounds. He said, to be little with God is to be little for God. And he wrote a really great book on prayer. Uh, he wrote one called The Purpose of Prayer. And um, a few things that I learned in, uh, in reading, there's one other book, there's a guy named Andrew Murray, um, these guys who wrote a, a while ago, I mean, Andrew Murray did. Uh, he wrote a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. And this is the very first time, you guys, I was so convicted because in it he talks about the sin of prayerlessness. And I was like, ooh, that, I never thought about that. One of the things, and we talked about what's the purpose of prayer, I know one of the reasons I don't pray more is because I am self-sufficient, that I think I've got this. And it's only many times when I feel really desperate and I feel out of control, they're like, man, I really need to pray. But that's an illusion uh, that, I, that I have that actually I don't need to pray until things you know, go bad. But here's what Andrew Murray said in a different book called The Believer's Prayer Life. He says, a life lived according to the flesh and not according to the spirit It is in this that we find the origin of the prayerlessness of which we complain. Oh, my brethren, do not seek to find in circumstances the explanation of this prayerlessness over which we mourn. Seek it where God's word declares it to be, in the hidden aversion of the heart to a holy God. Have I not found here the cause of my prayerlessness, of my powerlessness, to effect any change in the matter? The carnal life cannot possibly pray in the spirit and power. God forgive me. The carnal life is evidently the cause of my sad and shameless, uh, shameful prayerlessness. And so ultimately in my flesh, I, I'm the problem. I think I've got this. And so I've got to daily be reminded, Lord, I, I really need you. I, I really am desperate. Um, my wife's phone uh, battery is dying, but she's got another phone before this where uh, it does not even turn on unless it's plugged in, Right? And I think that I have got to remember that is a picture of my life versus like my iPhone that probably around, you know, six or seven, I'm getting down into like the 10% battery thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm about to run out. I think of myself that way. Like, Lord, I got this. And if I need anything and I'm, I'm doing fine, Jesus explained it. Listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I've got to see myself is really that dependent. Like, unless I'm literally plugged in, like my wife's phone, it's not even going to, nothing's going to count. Okay, that's got to be my attitude. So just to, I just want to shoot down a couple of excuses that we have sometimes when we think of, of prayer, uh, prayer life and prayerlessness. Um, I'm not good at expressing my feelings in front of others. A lot of guys will say that. Well, 
if you've ever seen guys celebrate uh, a win or when the Rangers won this year, like people have no problem showing their emotions. Okay. It depends on the the circumstances or hugging other men is weird. Um, Not if your team is winning, like people are excited. I was at an Auburn, Alabama game a few years ago and I'm literally hugging a guy I've never met before next to me. Like when, when Auburn uh, scored a touchdown, um, singing out loud with other people is awkward. Uh, any A&M, right? Like we're, we're not ashamed to whoop or things like that. But if you go to like big, big football games or soccer games, people are singing, cheering, doing all these things. I don't have time to pray or read scripture. And again, you do. We make time for the big game to grill out, to go hunting, to clean our fishing supplies, to study, you know, whatever. We make time for what's important to us. Okay, so that's what I got to keep in mind when it comes to all of this. Um, it is intimidating, though, when I read in First Thessalonians five about pray without ceasing. Like, am I just supposed to literally always be in one big long conversation? What that's describing is an ongoing attitude all day long of the awareness of God's presence, and I can just talk to Him at any moment. The ongoing realization that I have got to be desperately plugged into the Lord for my joy, for my wisdom, for my hope. Like, I'll run out of joy. I'll run out of. Um, patience with my kids really quick. So it's an ongoing, present attitude that I have. And this is a really encouraging quote from John Piper. If prayer doesn't come easy for you, consider yourself normally fallen and sinful with the rest of us, then fight. Like, yeah, just acknowledge that. Like, okay, this is, it's just not easy for me. So, okay, great. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to fight in this area. I'm going to fight to be more dependent on the Lord. I'm going to fight um, spiritually, and just recognize, okay, join the club. We're all struggling here. We're all self-reliant naturally. So I want to fight against my natural tendency there. So on your outline, real quick question. Do you believe you're at war? This goes back to a little bit of the purpose of prayer. Do I really believe that I am in a battle with a real enemy that is uh, stalking me and my family? Like that changes everything when I think of that, that I'm being hunted, that I've got someone who hates um, my, my, my marriage and wants to destroy that, that wants to make me uh, passive as a dad, all of these things, I'm at war. A number of years ago, um, we went camping in Arkansas, the Buffalo River, and uh, found a campsite and put our tents up. And we had not been there very long when we discovered a copperhead snake in the area. So I lovingly placed a rock on top of its head. Uh, now, that was how I killed it. I just took a picture, kind of a manly thing there. And we moved that tent away from kind of where it was. And I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. 15 minutes later, we found another one, even bigger, in the same area. Disposed of that guy. Moved our tent. So both our tents were actually way over more in the grass towards our car. But it got me thinking the whole time where, I mean, I, when we had gone to the restroom, you know, there's signs around there that say, hey, snakes are around this area. My son was coming out of the restroom and stepped over a snake. And now snakes are just on my mind. Like I'm in my tent, I'm zipping the thing up. I'm like, okay, they can't like, okay. Like I'm thinking snakes are everywhere. But it just, it made me aware and alert and I was watchful now being aware of like these things are all around me and I can't see them right now, but I know they're here. And so that type of attitude is why when you read in scripture, it says, listen, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. So even associating prayer with, I've got to be watchful, thinking like I am in a battle. And this is also why in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be sober-minded. Like just be thinking, be aware, wake up, okay? Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
with those snakes, I wasn't just thinking of, I don't want to get bit. I had a bunch of kids with me. And I'm like, I want to protect them as well. So wait, where are you guys going? Okay, wait, do you have a flashlight? All right, stay on the path. Like, I'm aware of all of these things now because I'm realizing there's an enemy here that I don't want to mess with. Okay, we don't want to get bit. So that's got to be my attitude that I realize that I am at war. J.C. Ryle, writing back in the 1800s, says the saddest symptom about so many about many so-called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight in their Christianity. They eat, they drink, they dress, they work, they amuse themselves, they get money, they spend money, they go through a scanty round of formal religious services once or twice every week. But the great spiritual warfare, its watchings and strugglings, its agonies and anxieties, its battles and contests, of all this they appear to know nothing at all. So, again, not to freak us out, but just so you know, you are at war. There is a war all around you, for you, um, for the the hearts of your kids, for the affections of your kids, all those things. I've got to have this attitude. So this is why, right after Paul describes all of the armor of God, the one piece we forget that he includes and actually expounds upon a whole lot is prayer. After the sword of the Spirit, he then says, and praying at all times in the Spirit— with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So after talking about you're in this battle, it's not against flesh and blood, but put on the armor of God and you've got the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, all these things. He, he ends it, he bookends it with, and prayer. Listen, you've got to pray at all times. You've got to be alert. You're praying for each other. Like This is a big part of um, the spiritual warfare that we're, that we're in. And this is the word that I mentioned earlier. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, uh, a servant of of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf. The Greek word there is agonizumai. It's where we get the word agonizing. It's to be in a battle, to be in a contest. And so this is a great reminder of this guy Epaphras that we'll meet in heaven one day. We don't know a whole lot about him. But his attitude was, I am agonizing in prayer for my brothers and sisters. That I am wrestling in prayer for for their, their welfare, for their, for their growing. It says that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. What are some things you can pray for your kids? Here's a great example. I pray that my kids may stand mature and fully, fully assured in all the will of God. So this is where we want to begin to get cues from Scripture. What are some things that great prayers of the Bible prayed about? Last thing here before we talk about is your prayer life peripheral or central. John Piper also has this great reminder that we're in a battle. He says, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom. It exists for advancing the mission, not for calling the butler to turn up the thermostat. Not that God is opposed to practical, nitty-gritty daily prayers. He simply wants all of them to relate to the mission of your life, that his name be glorified, that people live for fruitful ministry. Prayer is not a bell to call the servants to satisfy some desire we happen to feel. It is a battlefield transmitter for staying in touch with the general. That's got to be, my, again, a reminder of why do I pray? Because God's got a purpose for me today. He has a plan for you today to fulfill. And so in my prayer, I want to be in touch with him. Like, who are people, Lord? You need to remind me. Things I need to be saying right now. That's got to be my, my battlefield mentality. So what if your mentality was, and I mentioned this actually last year, if you were in Dad You, in praying for your kids, because that's in particular what I want to talk about. If I don't protect my kids spiritually, no one will protect them spiritually. Now, this is not to like freak us out again or to guilt trip us, but to ask yourself, am I the most active spiritual prayer warrior on behalf of my kids more than anybody on this planet? And what if my attitude was, well, if I don't do it, who is? Am I depending on my wife to be the prayer warrior? My, my, their grandparents, 
their, their Sunday school teacher? Like, who do you think is supposed to be the most, you know, fervent prayer for your kids? And what if my attitude was, hey, if I don't pray for them, they're not going to get prayed for. Okay? And again, not to scare us, but just to have that, that mentality. Like, I want to be the most encouraging voice in their life and my wife's life. I want to be the one who I can say, listen, I am praying for you fervently. Okay? Even when I'm not around, I can still have an effect. Not, I had to realize as my kids became, especially teenagers, 95% of any time where they have to take a stand or face temptation, I'm not going to be there. Maybe 99% of the time. But it doesn't mean I can't have an effect. Right? This is what Steve Farrar talks about. He kind of describes it as a submarine. He says, a godly father is the unseen spiritual submarine who lurks below the surface of every activity of his child's life. A man who is put on the full armor of God and with that armor goes to warfare on his knees for his children is a force to be reckoned with. The prayers of a man who is put on the full armor of God are lethal, effective, protective. God responds to the prayers of such a man who is alert to pray with perseverance for his children. So this is the next part right here. Is your prayer life peripheral or central? Is it just something that you tag on or is before you you know, eat or go to bed or just anything? Or is it more central of your life? A, long, a number of years ago, Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Christian Atheist, where he just describes people who believe in God but live as if he doesn't exist. And this is where a lot of times you just go, well, what, how, does a, how does an unbeliever live their life? There's, it's just what my plans are today and what I think and what I'm going to you know, get into. And even if someone is an unbeliever, but maybe they pray, what do they pray for? Well, they pray for healthy health or safety or just prosperity, like generic stuff. Well, again, how is my prayer life any different? Am I just praying for those generic things? And that's where my heart needs to be directed, which is why we're going to look at Paul's prayers in just a minute. So why do we pray? A few reminders. Psalm 73, this is the desperate attitude. Lord, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. So it's got to start off with, God alone is my satisfaction. My flesh and my heart may fail. My body and my emotions are going to let me down. Okay? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So why do we pray? Because hopefully God is my ultimate treasure, and he's what I desire more than anything, at least should be, right? But I've got to have that attitude that more than anything else is going to satisfy me. A praying man has lost the illusion that he's in control. That's got to be my motive, that I am not in control of anything. And so, Lord, you are, you're sovereign, you're good, you're wise, you're loving. So I pray. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I'm no good at helping myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. That's got to be my attitude when it comes to prayer. Because I, I, I'm just helpless. J.C. Ryle in another place said this, Tomorrow is the devil's day, but today is God's. Satan does not care about how spiritual your intentions are or how holy your resolutions, if only they are determined to be done tomorrow. This is why I picked this here on January, what are we, 5th? 4th? 4th. We still have the whole new year ahead of us. My prayer is that today is where you go, okay, I'm going to start a new direction in my prayer life today. Satan is totally fine, what Ryle is saying, if you have all these great intentions for this next year, but I'll get to that later. It's like, no, how about today we resolve, I'm going to be a man of prayer. How about when? This is a great question. We've talked about praying without ceasing, but in particular, I do have 
set aside time. I want to have set aside time um, to pray. Here's a couple of reminders about the morning. Oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. I think of it's like stretching before a game. Like I'm getting ready for, for the game. You would never see a team play a football game and then they line up for stretches and warm-ups afterwards. You're like, uh, too late, right? So I, I've, and it, I'm not saying you have to do this. Some of you are not a morning person. Um, but I, O oh Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. So these are just some suggestions. Maybe you start your day off this way. Uh, whatever it's like. Jesus did this, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So I, I just see a pattern in Scripture. I'm not saying you have to do this. Obviously, you want to be praying all day long, but I have to set aside time in the morning. And again, if you have little kids, I know that's tough. For me, I've, I tried to get up earlier than my earliest riser, which is really early, early if I want any time of, of quietness. And you might have to recognize, like, this is going to be a phase or a stage where the kids, I'm just not going to have a really long quiet time. Okay, it's going to be a little different. And as they get older, it gets a little bit easier. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who we quoted earlier, says, always respond, though, this is all, for about praying all during the day, always respond to every impulse to pray. The impulse to pray may come when you're reading or when you're battling with a text. I would make an absolute law of this. Always obey such an impulse. If someone comes to your mind, I have to, my attitude as I've gotten older has been, there's a reason why I thought of them right now. I have no idea maybe what it is. I'm just going to pray for them right now. And it's really cool, you guys, the number of times where then I'll run into that person and they'll share something. And I love to be able to say, you know, the Lord brought you to my mind the other day and I can pray for them. Which by the way, I, I, I've, I've learned either when I tell people like, hey, I'll be praying for you. That sounds so, so spiritual. But how many times I have just lied about that? Like, I don't. So either I will say, can I pray for you right now? Or as we're walking away, I'll start to pray. <laughs> or this is my, my uh, clause. I'll say, I will pray as the Lord brings you to my mind. So then it's the Lord has to bring them to my mind. So then it's not my fault. Anyways, but that's got to be my attitude. <laughs> when I say I'm going to pray for someone, it, that sounds so spiritual, but I really want to be someone where I can say, I really mean it, that I'm praying for you. Uh, Ian Bounds says this, the men who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity and freshness and other pursuits, then seeking God will make poor headway, seeking him the rest of the day. And guys, this is my biggest distraction. Unless I'm going to use this to guide me, like I do have a, a little devo I read in the morning, but this can be such a distraction in the morning. So thinking like scripture before screen or prayer before, you know, looking at it, like I've got to have that attitude where I, I, otherwise I'm just going to be slow going the rest of the day. Because I can think like, well, I'll have time during my lunch break or I'll have time, whatever. Like, it's best to just start my day off in the morning. So it takes some discipline. This is why Paul said, train yourself for godliness. For a while bodily, <clears throat> training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. So you might have to discipline yourself. That I'm just going to begin to do this. And then it can become, maybe it's your duty. You feel like that. And then it can become your desire and then your delight. But there is a part where, listen... Desire without discipline is dreaming. You ever heard that expression? You can want to do this, but if you're not going to be disciplined and have a schedule, and maybe tell somebody about it or get accountability, whatever it is, it's probably not going to happen. So that's a little bit about when. What about what? Maybe you do feel like this. I don't know what to pray for. I do get distracted. Your, your, your mind runs maybe of ADD where it's just like, I'm not sure what to do. A few things I'll tell you uh, I, that have helped me I got the Valley of Vision. This is a bunch of uh, old Puritan prayers mainly. And it just guides my thoughts and what I can pray for. So here's one thing that you can do. You can get the Valley of Vision. 
Uh, the Handbook to Prayer is another one that I, I got a number of years ago. Uh, praying Scripture back to God. This, again, just guides you on what to pray for, and it's just Scripture. And it's really helpful because it helps my mind stay focused. It, it guides my heart in what I should be asking for. Um, Every Moment Holy, uh, this is volume one. My son for Christmas got me volume three. That, that's a brand new one. And these are just little liturgies for almost every situation you can think of that you can be praying. My big one in here is a prayer for a moment of frustration at a child. And this is one where I have to take a picture of it and keep it on my phone to pray. Like when I get frustrated. Let me not react in this moment, O oh Lord, in the blindness of my own emotion. Rather give me a fellow sinner wisdom to respond with a grace that would shepherd my child's heart toward their, your mercies, so equipping them for the hard labors of their own pilgrimage. So many times I have to go to your room and I need to go read this prayer real quick because like I am not, re- I need to remember that they're, I'm a fellow sinner with them. But Lord, help me to shepherd their heart at this moment. But they've got prayers. Some of you dads, while you're changing diapers, there's prayers, a liturgy for the changing of diapers. There's a lot of stuff. For a moment of road rage, here's a great one. They're all in this thing uh, together. So that'll help you a little bit. Here's a good, even a simple thing to pray for our sons and daughters from Psalm 144. Lord, may our sons and their youth be like plants, full grown, vibrant, strong roots, fruitful. May our daughters be like corner pillows cut for the structure of a palace, or some versions say carved to adorn. These beautiful, solid, um, decorative pillars that help support and, and draw attention to in a, in a beautiful way to adorn. Like, I want my daughter's beauty to, to adorn them, but, it, but the New Testament says their beauty for, should be from the gentle and quiet spirit that adorns them. But things that I want to pray for my kids. Here's some ideas. I would say get a prayer journal. Okay, don't think of it as a diary. Think of it as a journal. I am just, I'm so arrogant to think that I can sit in a sermon and I'll remember all the points that are made without writing anything down. It just doesn't happen, you guys. To think that I can read scripture and something stands out to me and like, that's really good. I'll remember that. I won't. And so just writing things down, having a journal to pray for my kids is really helpful. So get a journal. I've used the acronym ACTS since, so for 30 years, I've used the acronym ACTS every morning. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Maybe you've got another acronym. I'm offering this one to you. That just guides my prayers. Like, I know where to start. I'm going to worship the Lord. So I've got a a bunch of verses about praising God. Confession. I need to confess stuff. Um, And then thanksgiving. What are things I'm thankful for? And I've got a, a bunch I need to remember that. And then supplication, Lord, here's what I'm asking for. Here's what I'm praying for my kids, for my wife, for my day. So many times I just want to jump into the supplication part. Pray for your kids by name and write down very specific things. I'll give you a chance to do that in a minute. But just learning, I want to write down, I have written down their name and what their name means and a verse that I pray for them every day. But then I'll ask them, and it's great as they get older, how can I be praying for you? Got a new prayer journal for this year? How can I be praying for you? And let them tell me. Um, but writing down specific things. Um, there's generic things I pray for all my kids, but then there's specific things for them. And that involves me studying them a little bit more. Uh, I mentioned that right out verses related to their name. I added in my journal, this is just my brain, I added in pictures of my kids. I just printed them out at, at CVS Pharmacy and I glued them inside my prayer journal so that I like praying for my wife, looking at her face. I like praying for my kids and grandkids, looking at their face. That just helps uh, guide 
my heart even towards them. Pray for different people in ministries on different days. If that helps mix things up a little bit, on Mondays I pray for my side of the family. Tuesdays I pray for Katie's side of the family. Wednesdays I pray for ministry at church. I pray for you guys and dad, you leaders and the DLT and the elders. Uh, Thursdays I just pray for friends, old and new. A lot of friends that I haven't seen in years. And Fridays I pray for ministries. And so that just guides me and I love to be able to tell somebody like, hey, every Wednesday I pray for you. But that just also keeps it fresh in my mind where it's not just this rote thing that I do. So that keeps it um, real a little bit. I love this reminder from Nancy Guthrie though. What we want most for our kids is something only God can do. So we pray. Like I've just got to realize ultimately what I want, heart change, growth, maturity, selflessness, joy, all the things that I want for my kids, only God can do that. I can get the kindling ready, but I'm praying for God to spark that fire in them, but I pray. So my, my wife's prayer, she prays for our kids every day, is Jeremiah 24-7, and it's great because it's 24-7, where God says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I'm the Lord. And I am just go, Lord, that's what I want. I want you to give them a heart to know you, to grow um, in that area. So what did Paul pray for? If you look in the back of this sheet here, <clears throat> We've got what he prayed for the Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, um, and what he prayed for Philemon. So this is something that I want to give you just a couple minutes. What time is it? Yeah, we got time. I want to give you five minutes on your own. I think you can read all this in five minutes. And grab a pen and just circle some of the words that stand out to you um, in Paul's prayers for Uh, believers that he saw as their spiritual father and allow that maybe to begin to guide you as you leave today and think about what are things now I want to pray for my kids. Okay. So I'll give you five minutes or less. It depends on how fast you can read, but go ahead and circle the words that stand out on your own there. And then we'll, uh, we'll come back together for the next part. My prayer is again, that that just begins to guide you on maybe it's just like, Hey, this week, every day, I'm just going to pray what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Or this month, whatever it is. Like, I don't want you to feel the burden or like legalistic about this, but I just know I need to have my heart directed and there's nothing better to guide it in my prayers than using God's word, praying God's words back to him, okay? So, at the top of that page, by the grace that God provides, say, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able uh, to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. So it's God who's doing the enabling there, but by God's grace... I want you to maybe think this through. My daily prayer routine will be, okay, do you have a time and a place when you can do that? And then I just know that until I got serious and asked someone to hold me accountable with Bible reading and prayer, I, I didn't really happen. So maybe it's tell your wife, tell someone in your community group, tell someone, hey, pray for me. I'm starting a new prayer habit. Listen, I'm telling you, do you, ah, sorry, I'm a crier. Think about this. Do you think that your enemy, the devil, would hate it if all of us became more prayer warriors. So do you think, if that's your resolve, that there's going to be some pushback? Like, don't be surprised if you feel more tempted, more condemned, more distracted. Like, of course, I'm at war. Satan doesn't want me to, that's a line he doesn't want me to cross. So I just think, what if God raised up from this room a generation of dads who are serious about praying for their family, for their church, for their leaders. Like, I want to be a man of prayer, but Satan hates that. So, of course, he's going to step up and, and, and want to tempt me more. So just don't be discouraged if that's your, if that's your resolve, okay? A couple of things. Today, 
Um, we have the Dead You podcast that you can, you can go to. But today we made sure that um, it came out. I did probably like 15 minutes maybe of just ideas for praying with or for your kids. Uh, I just went in the studio and said, here's all the things that I've done or tried or seen or heard. So if you want to just be encouraged in this area today, you can go to our podcast. And uh, that's going to hopefully help you a little bit. We're putting on there a, um, a prayer guide just called Prayer Prompts, Things You Can Pray For Your Kids. It's a PDF on the Dad You uh, website. We started this, if you're here on Sunday, we started a brand new thing called Faith Path that is available at watermark.org slash faithpath. This is just helping guide you and what can I be teaching my kids at different stages. At uh, six years old is where we emphasize prayer. And you can, you can do this at any time, but if you want to begin to talk to your kids more about what should we be praying for, how do we pray? And I'm, I just am so frustrated so many times when my kids pray and it's this lame generic prayer that they learn from me. And I just go, shoot, if that's just so vague, like give us a good day. Thank you for everything you've given us. Like I'm going, where? oh my goodness. I haven't helped guide them in this area of what do we pray for? What can we praise God for? How can we be selfless in our prayers? So in the faith path, we've got a guide in there and a whole bunch of resources on how we can begin to be a family of prayer, how I can guide my kids in praying. Um, just want to remind you, last couple of announcements. At the end of February, we have our second annual father-son retreat. This is for first through fifth graders. Um, you can register now. It's going to be the Pinecoe Bluffs. But we had a lot of fun last year. Just a Friday night and all day Saturday. We're done by Saturday uh, night, and so we're back at home by Saturday night. So wives appreciate that. So they're not uh, having to get the kids up Sunday morning. Um, and then, if you have been married zero to five years... At the end of this month, we have a young husband's retreat. We had our first one last year, and it was really fun. We had it, again, out of the bluffs. Uh, about 50 dads, uh, uh, 50 husbands, rather, showed up. So if you've been married zero to five years-ish, uh, it's okay if you're like six years. But the point there is that we just want to encourage you with um, some reminders as a young husband. Uh, about half of the dads that showed up were, were new dads, and so what are some new challenges there? But what are some things that are... Harder than you thought, better than you thought. Let's just talk about continuing to sharpen your marriage in these first few years. I want to end with this. Uh, Be Thou My Vision is a great hymn. And if you grew up, I grew up in a Baptist church where we sang the first, second, and fifth or fourth hymns. Like we skipped the middle ones sometimes. And sometimes there's songs where these obscure verses that you never knew were there or that never get published and they're rare alternate verses. But in Be Thou My Vision, there's another verse that I came across a number of years ago about the spiritual warfare that we're in. Be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul shelter, thou my high tower. Raise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Just a great reminder. Listen, I'm at war, but it's not up to me. It's the armor of God. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not my own might. And so this is a great reminder, Lord, you need to be my battle shield. You are my sword. I need you to raise me. You're the power that's behind all of this in this battle that I'm in. So I'm not out there on my own. Um, I've got all the power that I need in this. Okay. So here's what we're going to do next at your tables for the, the rest of our time. We've got 40-ish minutes just to talk this through, and uh, they are, they'll be on the screen there for a little while, and then we'll, uh, you guys can close in prayer on your own, and I uh, appreciate you guys coming. Again, we continue to pray that this is helpful, 
and encouraging that even as you get to know each other at your tables, that we uh, can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let me pray for us before we go to our tables. God, thanks so much for these men. Again, Lord, we're grateful um, for what you have done in us, what you've done for us and provided for us. God, I pray that we would be men who are dependent on you and our own lives, Lord, for our marriages, that we'd be men who pray for our wives, that we pray for our marriages, Lord, and as fathers, God, that we would be defined by men who are passionate about the souls of our kids and praying over them, praying for them, praying with them, teaching them how to pray, Lord, that we would be men marked by prayer. God, pray that we would be encouraged and uh, be ready for the battle that, um, that will come our way as we take serious this call to fight. We love you, and we thank you for everything that you've given us in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.